This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Buy the book on BFM 89.9. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Buy the Book. I'm Lee Chui Lin, joined as always uh, by my fellow person on the sofa, Sharmila Ganesan. <laughs> Sometimes, yes. Yes, Thank occasionally. Um, and oh, we God, are, oh, there we go. Um, and that other voice, of course, is our guest today, um, our very own Sonia Chi. Hello. Hello. So, um, Sonia is joining us because it is time for our monthly... But she needs therapy. Don't be like that. It is time for our monthly book club, or do what you want, because that's also the spirit of this show. Um, and for our book club this month, we are looking at a book from a couple of years ago now um, by Laurie Gottlieb, and it's called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, A Therapist, Her Therapist, and Our Lives Revealed. And the title in some ways really says it all, right? Because it's a book that explores her own process um, through therapy and coping with a breakup and eventually about a bunch of other things, as well as the therapy that she was conducting with her, she calls them patients, so I think we can use the word, um, with her own patients. And that's more or less the structure of the book. I have to admit, this isn't a book that I would have picked up on my own. Um, I heard about it a while ago. Um, I wouldn't say I didn't have interest in it. I think I thought it wasn't for me because I'm I'm very pro mental health. I'm very pro um, getting yourself uh, to a therapist if you feel that you need someone to talk to. So I kind of thought, well, this isn't meant for me. This is meant to convince people who may not be so affirmative about mental health uh, to perhaps consider it. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that we collectively decided on this for our book club. Um, I think it's worth saying Laurie Gottlieb is also a huge name in the American American, um, well, I, I don't even know if it's a particular genre, but like that, uh, she writes a lot about mental health. She's dear therapist on, I believe, The Atlantic. She's written articles that went hugely viral for many, uh, many publications. So she's a name when it comes to um, psychotherapy, when it comes to mental health uh, help. Um, and I think that both attracted me and maybe kind of put me off from wanting to read this book as well. I think what worried me, so when I when I got the book, first it was so thick and I was like, oh God, they hate me. And and then I think I I felt that it seemed too trivial, if that makes any sense. Like I thought a book on therapy would be a bit more sciencey, a bit more serious. And this reads like a American sitcom, you know, it was so simple. It's 400 pages. I finished it in, I think, three days. And it really is, um, it's so simple, you know, and it makes um, your feelings, whatever complex feelings you're having, like just get someone, sit on a sofa, talk to someone. And the main thing is be vulnerable, which is probably the hardest bit, you know. I think um, that one of the main selling points of this book is actually for people who, whether you have been to therapy or you've never been to therapy, because if um, you have, then perhaps you understand some of the work that's being done, you understand the benefits of it. And if you have not, it makes it sound great um, because essentially, you know, um, her own mental health journey as captured by the chapters within the book, as well as uh, that of her patients whom she helps. Um, you know, a lot of it, I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that they come to a, a happy ending of sorts, um, you know, or they come to understand what happiness might mean for them in that particular era of their lives. And so it makes 
therapy seem very tempting or seem like a good option for people. And for somebody who works in her field, who writes extensively about therapy, who um, actually arrived late to the therapy game um, and was a writer first, which I think also shows in the book, I think that the book does a good job of selling that point of view. Yes, and, and I think that's important, right? Because my um, my fear with the book as I was reading it about halfway was that it's going to feed into this very crass thing that people say about psychologists, which is, ah, talk to them for 20 minutes, they'll convince everyone you need therapy, you know? Um, and I felt like, is this book feeding into that perception that all they're out to do is to convince everyone they have issues? But, you know, as you go through the book, I think the fact that she puts herself out there so willingly and the contrasting of her own mental health uh, journey along with those of her patients, I think that does away with that very quickly. And I'm glad it does. And instead, what it does is actually to say... Um, all of us could do with some introspection. All of us could do with some amount of, I think, learning to learning to look at the things that have happened to us in life with a different lens. And I like that the book essentially frames therapy not as a uh, let's fix what's wrong with you, but instead it, it, it frames it as a more um, a growth process, uh, which, you know, it's all well and good. We hear this a lot on Instagram and, and whatever, and it's often uh, sort of dumbed down to a level where it feels very um, throwaway. But I think this book is a way to do it that doesn't feel like that. And in, instead actually offers you a lot of really solid examples of um, people who go through that journey. I think great catchphrases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so whenever you're feeling blue, you just flip a page and you kind of get some context. But it, it's it's more about, so let me see. Um, like what Lynn said, it's not about having a happy ending, but just being happy in the middle, which was interesting. Like to to be at bliss wherever you are, even though death, breakups, anything, you can be happy and sad. I thought that was uh, yes that quite they can coexist yeah yeah and there's there's no one journey one size fits all and you can just learn to be you know and I think that is so important with how we currently live where you think there's a gold standard there's a gold star you're always trying to achieve something instead of just sit with your being and enjoying whatever you have so I thought that was quite lovely and I think the stories she chose to tell because I'm sure she's seen hundreds and she chose, I think, around five specific patients. And uh, every story was relatable. Like every single huge milestone that a human can go through is mentioned. So, yeah. So I, I want to say up front that I had uh, I had some ups and downs with the book. Um, and in fact, the longer I've sat with it, I think that I liked it more um, immediately after I finished it than now a couple of weeks on. And uh, I'm not sure if everybody feels the same way, but I thought I would just put it out there. And I think that part of the up and down of the book is actually in the chapters alternating between herself um, and her therapist, whom she's calling Wendell. Um, and her her clients, her patients. Um, and there's a huge variety, right? Uh, you see patients of different ages and at very different points in their life. There's a woman who is, um, you know, 
closing in on 70 and who's starting to feel like maybe she's lost her chance at love, for instance. Uh, you also have a, a television writer who's just your stereotypical Hollywood guy um, and later reveals, I suppose, the hidden depths, the hidden pain. Um, and there are all sorts of people that populate the books. And I found that their journey I was very invested in. Her own journey, um, I, I struggled with from time to time, perhaps because it was more existential. It was less narrative-based. She initially goes in because she had a breakup and it caused a spiral. But uh, as she sits with Wendell, talks with Wendell, it becomes clear that it isn't really about that. But it also takes a while to get to what the that is. And I understand that that is to mimic the process of therapy, the unearthing of these issues. Um, but I think... Sometimes it was a lot of it was a lot of me me, and that's okay for this sort of book, I think. But I struggled with it. Oh, um, I completely preferred the patience that she was talking about, and I found myself sort of skim reading through her parts. Um, and and I have a theory about why actually, and I think that's because she has a lot more control over which parts of herself she wants to reveal versus the parts of her patients where she's crafted it into a narrative. Um, and so I think we identify, or rather I identify with the patients almost like I would with characters. So I'm reading a book and you get to read them as characters, whereas hers sounds like someone's personal essay about themselves, where they've picked the parts they want to highlight and the parts that they don't want to highlight. And so it feels a little bit more stilted and a little bit more forced. Um, I'm glad that they're there because, again, I liked that contrast. And, and I think it doesn't feel like she's preaching at you from a psychotherapy pulpit, you know. Um, but yes, I, I definitely... If you had to ask, if you asked me to pick which character in the book I liked the least, I would unfortunately pick her. Oh my God, we are not sending her this podcast, are we? <laughs> But she is really likable and accessible, um, but definitely more curated. And and I think, I think if we were to, after a few weeks after the book, you realize, yeah, the stories we tell of ourselves, you know, we really take out all the bits that we think are a bit too raw. Let's put it that way. And when we talk about other people, wow, <laughs> we we really yeah can go to town. But uh, I think. That's what was interesting, you know, and, and I felt, so you see how she gave a context of uh, building herself up, you know, like she's a writer, she went to med school, she wanted to be a psychiatrist, but, or, or she thought of doing psychiatry, but then realized that, you know, she didn't want to just peddle drugs. Ooh, take this out, please. <laughs> and, but I guess the humanity, but like, Having that time to get people to open up, I probably didn't think that much about that process when it comes to therapy. You know, I always thought like, you know, you always think of people getting, going to three sessions and you're fixed, fixed, whatever that means. Um, but this was like, wow, it's prolonged. <laughs> you know, it takes, and it, it felt like hard work though. When you're And a real relationship. I, I appreciated that, that um, she foregrounded the relationship nature of therapist and patient. 
We're talking today about Laurie Gottlieb's 2019 book, uh, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, A Therapist, Her Therapist and Our Lives Revealed. Um, and if you're wondering why we've been talking so much about therapy, that is why. It's because the book really focuses on that process. Uh, let us know if you've read it, if you're interested in reading it, if you're perhaps familiar with Laurie Gottlieb's writing from The Atlantic, from The New York Times and the like. Uh, you can WhatsApp us 18 us at BFM Radio. Brainy, fancy material. BFM 89.9. Hello, you are listening to By the Book with Lynn and Shamila. Today we are joined by Sonia Chi, who is reading along with us today for our monthly book club, Laurie Gottlieb's Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, A Therapist, Her Therapist and Our Lives Revealed. So um, we've established, I guess, where our interests roughly lie in the book, uh, what we found compelling. I thought we could dive further into that and talk about that word compelling, because the thing about reading 400 pages of uh, someone's emotional journey, you know, of five people's emotional journey is that you have to be drawn into it well beyond the the fact that, oh, we have a show to do. Um, you know, you have to care about it. And I wanted to know what, what you both cared about in the book. I cared about the, uh, again, I'm going to say characters. I cared about the characters' development. So she very cleverly intersperses everyone's growth as a journey, right? So um, you you get introduced to like these five patients at a particular point um, and then you get little bits of them revealed. For me, I definitely wanted to know how, you know, how Charlotte ended up, how Rita ended up, how John ended up. Um, and, you know, all of them had, I guess these are her success stories. All of them had um, pretty good places that they ended up in and, and they were clearly better than how they started. I enjoyed Julie's story a lot. Uh, Julie was... Uh was someone who went to see Laurie at a specific point, right? She was a newlywed who discovered that she had terminal cancer on her honeymoon, essentially. And um, she wanted somebody to see her through to her passing. And I found that very moving, partly because uh, we don't, we talk a lot about caregivers. We talk a lot about how patients feel, but we don't often talk about this very weird role that someone like a therapist would occupy in seeing somebody kind of out of this life. And I, I did find that very moving. I also loved, I actually really enjoyed the difficult patients because Julie is not difficult. Julie is a delight. It's why she's so easy to yeah. love, you know. Um, when she's when she realizes that she's not going to have a lot of time, she just decides to work at Trader Joe's as a cashier because she's always wanted to. Um, but someone like, say, Rita, um, who is an older woman who uh, comes from an abusive background, who's so closed off, who struggles with any form of growth, right? And with forming relationships. When she has a breakthrough, I really felt like, ah, this is why, this is why we do the work and this is why this book and this story was worthwhile. So I, I did really enjoy the more difficult, annoying um, patients in the book because their journey felt rougher in some ways. Yeah, I think what was revealing to me is the role of a therapist, which I never considered, like how they have to thread this balance. They're not your friend, but they know your most intimate parts of your life. And you have to be the most vulnerable with this person who you can't go out and have a coffee with. I, I found that, actually, I found that concept really hard to accept. I think just... So used to, if you're close to someone, then you, you know, you can bear all. But this is the exact opposite. You find a stranger and they know the most about you. I found like, is this real? And and I think how she 
communicated that throughout and how she realized what it means to be a therapist when she got her therapist and and how life-changing that was. So in my head, I was like, wow, why do people want to grow up and get a partner? You should just, you know, pray to get a good therapist and you're done. <laughs> See what I mean about, about the book selling the, the therapist narrative? It does it so well. It also does. I mean, and it does a great job of humanizing therapists, right? Because the, um, I think the other challenge is exactly that: going to a, a stranger and and confiding all of your secrets to them. Uh, the book does a really good job of the balance that a good therapist would be conducting in their own head. Like, how do I do this? What? How do I approach this? What works for this person that might not work for another person? Um, it's a sort of insight into a profession that I think is a little bit opaque because they don't usually talk about what they do. Um, and I think that also adds a lot of interest in this book. But did you feel like you're, you're being played? Like, because you're saying, like, you know, because it's all f- quite formulaic. Yes, the this book is when definitely, it's so yeah. calculated, and they—I mean, the way it was written, like they are taking notes and they use these particular moments later on because they want to do like it. There's, it's oh, so that actually gave me calculated. comfort. I don't know really if, because I felt like there was a method to the madness. I I actually felt uh, somewhere I think in the middle. Um, I did find it formulaic. Um, I did find the. I didn't find it chilling, I have to say, but but I did find it formulaic. <laughs> and actually more than that, um, part of the formula, I think, uh, started to wane on me. So this is why um, when I say that I, I have a dipping relationship with the book, I think it happened because I believe that through the writing of the book, the way the narratives are structured, um, the way the language is very carefully therapeutic as well, uh, but also accessible, there is a circular nature to each narrative that I think is supposed to mimic the work of therapy, meaning you keep revisiting trauma, you keep revisiting um, why you're here, um, and in some ways the difficulties that you have relating to other people revisited in each chapter. Um, and so while that, I understand, is meant to get the feel of the room, so to speak, that formula started to weigh on me because I'm like, I get it. Life is about meaning, no? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so, so I struggled with that. And also it, it reinforced the fact that we are all just habitual creatures. Like the patterns are the same. No matter how many breakups you go through, if you don't sort your stuff out, everything goes back to your father, mother, you know, your childhood. Your, I was like... Are we that simple? I think I I felt that way. Like, are we really... We are not as complex as we feel, maybe. And maybe that's the the point of therapy. I think that's a double-edged sword of this book, actually. On the one hand, the simplicity and the accessibility is great because it, it demystifies and allows a person in. But on the other hand, I did find myself getting a little bit... Even the way she... So it's always... So-and-so in his research said this, and then she will relate it to something that's happening to herself or one of the patients. She'll expand on it in a session, and then it will pan out beautifully. And then in the next session, she'll see a progress that she hadn't seen. I mean, I'm sure that in real life, it was a lot messier, and she does admit that she's sort of... um, edited and and conflated a lot of experiences but I think that the process of writing it like that ends up making you also feel like everything becomes a little flattened in the end into like maybe three core messages which feels a little too simplistic. 
It's also worth mentioning at this point that in her background, we mentioned a columnist, she did med school and all that. Um, she was also a television writer for, for a time, right? She worked in television. And in fact, the book has been optioned and picked up uh, to be adapted into a TV show. And so I, I think that when we talk about formula, when we talk about the way in which the story is told, curated, edited, it is worth considering that it is done through the eyes of someone who is not just a writer and a journalist, but actually somebody who understands how to write for television, how to write for episodes, how to want to keep going, how to build that. And I think the book, it's a very natural televisual fit because it is all, I think, already there. Yeah, and in mass television. Yes. So it's not trying to be niche or artsy or quirky. You know, it's anyone would be able to appreciate it. And Grey's I think, Anatomy of Therapy film? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> friends, I was thinking. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> you know, and it's light. So hence, I think when I, the previous books that I've read on trauma, they are traumatic. But here, I just need a good coffee my lovely therapist and a croissant and all will be right as rain. So, but I think there is a place for these kind of books because with this kind of book, I think more people feel open and it's less daunting to try therapy. And it's, you know, it shouldn't be such a big decision. You know, if you need help, get it. <laughs> it's no big deal. I think that's the perfect note to end on. This is our monthly book club episode and the book that we've been talking about is Laurie Gottlieb's Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, A Therapist, Her Therapist and Our Lives Revealed. Let us know if you've read it, if you're keen on reading it. You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. You can tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. brings us to footnotes um, and we have been spending the whole show talking about this book that is fundamentally about therapy about opening up to a stranger um, and then having your life kind of conflated and written about in, in that stranger's book um, but I thought that it would be a good opportunity to talk about vulnerability right in in books and writing and what we expect and like out of that because I think um Part of the the beauty in some ways of this particular book is the way that it comforts you into reading other people's very vulnerable inner bits, you know, and understanding the stuff that they wouldn't expose to the people in their daily life. And you're just sitting there and vicariously experiencing it. And it's a very odd experience. I mean, she writes it in a very comforting way, but it doesn't divorce, I think, that discomfort that all of us in some ways feel when someone else is being vulnerable. Vulnerable books or vulnerable characters are actually quite difficult to read because I feel like they they somehow force you to confront parts of yourself that you'd like rather cringing, not want right? to. Yeah, yeah. And and you're cringing because you feel like, how are they doing this? How are they confronting these parts of themselves? It's interesting that, that you bring that up because I was actually thinking um, about how uh, when we talked about the, the Laurie Gottlieb book, um, you know, we spoke about not necessarily liking her chapters. And I was just thinking about the process of writing any book at all and, and putting anything out there and, and why we see um, authors sometimes accused of being onion skinned, right, of being so thin skinned when they get 
criticism. But the truth is that I think writing itself is a very vulnerable act. Um, most authors will say that they have some element of themselves in their characters, that they have some elements of themselves in their books. And I think that um, that fiction is one thing, but confessional books, right? Books that just live in that confessional space, um, which are about people talking about, um, you know, their issues with drugs, for instance, or um, their issues with being abused or abusing others. Those, I think, are books that I don't know. Um, com combine the vulnerability of writing in and of itself with the vulnerability of opening yourself up to that kind of scrutiny. And those books I, I need to be in the mood for, I think, um, for the same reason that we spoke about earlier, the me, me, me approach, that, that problem, which can sometimes feel like a lot, you know, when you're reading it across, I don't know, 500, 600 pages. Yeah, I, I think for me... Maybe I'm most vulnerable about loss and how to deal with it, especially when it's forever. So I guess would be death, would be loss of a certain function. So when I thought of vulnerability uh, in terms of writing, I immediately thought of Paul Kalanidis, uh, When Breath Becomes Air. And of course, he, he, he wasn't really able to finish the book. He passed away before. Is that a spoiler? Well, too bad. Oh, no, that one's, I think it, it was marketed that way. It's fine. <laughs> and and I think going through that process and writing about it, I think going through it is already traumatic enough. But writing it, I mean, and not for it to be a cathartic experience for you. You want a message to someone who's reading it. I think that is phenomenal. And if you are able to... I. I can share that emotion with me um, and I don't feel you're sugarcoating it or you're not over-dramatizing it. And I found his writing was so, so beautifully done. And, 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 and then, of course, I spiraled and watched her, his wife's YouTube uh, noise TED Talk and I was done. Lah. I was like, just kill me now. <laughs> but, but I guess celebrating loss. I think when it comes to vulnerability and what I find beautiful about that type of writing is how do you celebrate loss and move on for me? I love that you bring up um, loss and death because there's, there's an entire subcategory of uh, biography which primarily deals in this, which is about people uh, going through terminal illness, people who have gone through something body changing often, um, and writing very frankly about that. And I think that on our part, there is always this fascination, um, especially as able-bodied people, right, who have not yet experienced that kind of loss, looking at it and going, ah, um, and either feeling that sense of, this is what it's like to live with something, or this is what it's like to accept that you are not going to live at all. Um, and it's interesting that you bring up Paul Kalaniti specifically because there is a whole, you know, entire epilogue to this, right? In which his wife um, go, went on to befriend and um, partner with a widower named John Dubastein, whose wife, Nina Riggs, was an American writer and poet who wrote The Bright Hour talking about what it's like as a mother dealing with incurable breast cancer, talking very beautifully about how she's not going to see her son, uh, how she's not going to see her child 
grow up, you know? And I, I think that is just vulnerability on a whole other level. And again, this is not a category of books I can read often, but I find that there are there's a lot of beautiful, and as you rightly say, non-sugar-coated writing within it. That reminds me actually of um, a related genre, which is the... Um, genre that, such as it is. I know, I know. Um, because I, I, I remembered one, well, essentially it's two books that I really love. I've talked about one before, uh, Still Me by Christopher Reeve. Um, and the other is Always Looking Up the Adventures of an Incurable Optimist by Michael J. Fox. Um, and, you know, these are both actors who um, had such vibrant roles on screen. And they both talk about, in, in Christopher Reeve's case, his paralysis, Michael J. Fox about living with Parkinson's. And these are books that I find hugely uplifting, but also difficult to read. Again, because of that vulnerability it takes to... Um, not necessarily talk about an impending end, but to talk about the incredible change that you go through and the reflections that you have during it. And also because you're a public figure as well, right? So putting yourself out there like that. Um, so that that for me is another example of how um, vulnerability can be difficult, but also incredibly inspiring, I think, when you read about it. And I think it helps for me like with Christopher Reeves, I think that sadness still remained because he he was he was quadriplegic in the end, right? Mm-hmm. So he he remained in the chair until his death. Um, compared to Michael J. Fox, I feel like he really he's still living large and still acting. So and advocating. I, yes, mm-hmm. you know, I I remember that video where he purposely didn't take his meds when he went to Congress and to show that without these meds, um he will not be able to live um, a full quality life. You know, the quality of his life will be severely impeded. But um, yeah, so I, I think the inspiring bit for sure. Um, I don't know whether that frustrates people when they're so inspiring. I don't know. It's just me being, I need therapy or help me out people. I, I think actually that that is, um, you know, if we come back to this idea of vulnerable, that, that comes... I feel that that's the flip side of it. Um, if you are simply inspiring without revealing any form of vulnerability, um, then I think it's annoying because it's like, oh yeah, I get it. You know, you, you can do anything. Um, but if there is an acknowledgement of, of frailty, if there is an acknowledgement of difficulty, then I think the inspiration is just an important part of that narrative to let you know that there is a path up, upwards and beyond, you know, that there is a way out of it. But yeah, I think that that's maybe part of the value of it. Yeah, yeah no, I, I completely agree. I think nobody wants to see a perfect person showing us up. But <laughs> to show that um, I too um, go through this and if you are, you know, perhaps this is a way for you, can be comforting. And that's it. Um, we've been talking today both about uh, vulnerability as well as Laurie Gottlieb's book, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. Let us know. I mean, what, what do you make of the quality of vulnerability, whether it's in the writing, the writers, the characters, in books or essays? Um, and are you interested in reading books about therapy? You can let us know by WhatsApping 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us at bythebook at bfm.my. Thank you for listening to this podcast.
To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.